Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And this is the podcast where my sister and I talk about movies we grew up watching. We have... And Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Matt. It is the 1st of January when we're recording, so Happy New Year. Episode 71. 71. woo I want to thank everybody for listening first. And... Um, for all you loyal listeners who have been with us from the beginning, you know that we've done a few different things, but one thing we're going to try for a little while, we don't know how long it's going to last, and we can pretty much do whatever we want anyway. We're going to talk about one movie uh, later in the, in the show, but first, before we get started, um, I came up with this about five seconds before we started recording. We're going to start with a new segment that I'm just going to call Family Business. <laughs> oh, family business. Okay, family business. And um, we're going to start. And so on our last episode, I had brought this up and I wanted to get a final update now that the year is over. How did your 500 movie watch go? Well, the 500 movie watch was beyond successful because I ended up watching 513 movies. What? And it turned out that December ended up being one of like, I think like the third highest movie watching month it was of the most year. productive movie it was watching. Very, but i ended up watching exactly 50 movies in, in one month matt i watched like over 70 in a month before wow yeah i can give more when i'm better prepared for family business i can give like a more clear like sum, summation of like the stats because i know our listeners are so interested but you know when harry met sally of course was movie 513 i was starting i think i started it at like 9.30. So, I mean, I was timing it out more or less to end right around midnight. And then, then I got distracted because, you know, things happen when you're at home and it's New you Year's Eve. You had to pause it to go pee and stuff like that. Or to go, like, hang out with Jack for a few minutes or whatever. That's um, cool. So I actually had to pause it and it wasn't totally done by midnight, but who's counting? Yeah. I'm not counting it. Okay. It counts well. as my final movie. Well, you had already overachieved. Oh, yeah. So you did some extra credit, as we call it on the the show. Yep. And I have a new goal for 2022. What is your new goal for 2022? Well, I keep upping the stakes. So last year, because this whole thing started in June, like in 2020, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get to 365. I guess it was 366 because of leap year. And I exceeded that. One every day. Basically, yeah. This year, I wanted to hit 500, and I got past that. This year, 2022, I'm shooting for 550. Well, you had kind of a pace going, yeah. you know. I'm sure there was a couple t- times where you were a little slower, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, things happen, like, if I got into some TV binge modes, that, you know, changed my, my progression, or just... If I just wasn't feeling it, but I have kind of figured it out. Like, I, I am not the person that sits and scrolls through a movie menu for more than a few minutes trying to decide what to watch. Like, well, and you had no problem re-watching movies you had already seen. Obviously, when Harry Met Sally, you've Oh, watched, yeah, yeah. You've probably I, watched that, like, 50 times. So. Yeah, and again, 
when we do our next family business, I can give you more more solid statistics. No, like this what is it. This is all. This is the only time you get to talk about this. Boo, that's not true. <laughs> um, I can give you a, a better breakdown of how many movies were new to me movies versus rewatches, but it was definitely more new to me movies. Well, maybe um, if we don't want to ha- do like a whole episode about it or, no. or squeeze into the family business, you can share it on our <laughs> Facebook or Instagram or yeah. somewhere online on yeah. our website. And then people can check out what you did, just like we did last year. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a long it's it's a long list, but I still have. Let's see. I still have, I think, well over twelve hundred titles that I'm interested in watching well, on this giant spreadsheet that I've put together. There's tons of movies out there, so. And there's new movies coming out every day. In fact, the first movie I watched this year. Was the new movie with uh, Meryl Streep and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence called Don't Look Up, the Netflix movie. How'd and you like that? I thought it was great. It was exactly what I expected it to be in terms of satire and doomsday. And I was not expecting it. I wasn't expecting to walk away from it feeling happy and like, wow, I had some good escapism there. No, like I... It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Because Adam McKay has done other movies that kind of take a critical look. I'm fairly certain he did, like, The Big Short. Yes, he did. Yeah, I think it was The Big Short was the one. Yeah, which I love that movie. I think that movie's great. And, of course, that was about the housing crisis in 2008. Um, but, yeah, don't and look not, up. And not very funny, though. That one was had a little more of a serious kind yeah, of tone. Yeah, it had co- comedians in it, though. Like, Steve Carell was, like, the main guy in it. Yeah. But um, So, yeah, highly recommend Don't Look Up. And I watched another movie today, so I'm already a little ahead of the pace because I got two down in day one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, tell, I'll talk about that one later when we get into the main movie we're talking about today. Okay. Well, what kind of family business do you want to share? I just wanted to um, – so – um, the second episode that we ever recorded, I talked about The Matrix mm-hmm. and my love of The Matrix. So uh, just recently, um, right before the new year, we watched the new Matrix movie, oh. Matrix Resurrections. And going into it, I had a lot of mixed feelings. I was like, oh my God, what are they going to do? Is this just a money grab? Is this just so they can extend their their rights to the story mm. why the hell are they doing this oh my god Keanu Reeves is going to do it is it a reboot or how are they going to continue this because he dies at the end of the third one I mean what the hell is going to happen oh my god I forgot about that yeah yeah well and, and if people want to go back and listen you know I really I really love the first mm-hmm. the original and I actually really like reloaded the second one but the way that movie ends, and then the whole third one, it was just, it was kind of depressing, like, thinking about it. I mean, cool fights, cool look, all the same kind of stuff, but some of the acting is just really bad in the third one, and I was just not, I wasn't really happy with how that whole series kind of ended. Um, Did you rewatch any of the Matrix movies before watching this one? No, I didn't need to. Okay. I've seen them so many times I had. Now, I haven't seen the original Matrix more than probably like four or five times tops. Would it be worth watching just the first one? Well, let me, um, so we went ahead and watched it. And like I said, I have seen all three of the movies multiple times. So I was, it was all very fresh in my mind. I didn't need to get 
reminded of all the little details and minute characters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I've seen it that many times. And um, overall, you know what? Going in with incredibly low expectations, only because I was very skeptical, as even as much as I really liked the movie, I really just kind of was like, okay, I need to not put this movie on like a high pedestal. Mm-hmm. But I was still very excited to watch it. Now, and for those of you who might be wondering, I did not go to the theater and watch it. Mm-hmm. I watched it on HBO because, you know, honestly, they kind of screwed themselves by <clears throat> releasing everything on HBO Max first when it came to dollars. But um, I I liked it. Good. I was I was pleasantly surprised. and. Okay. There are a few things in it that are questionable, probably for some fans. But you know what? If it, if if it wasn't for the end of Reloaded, this would probably be my third favorite. But this might be my second f- favorite Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. There's some really good casting in it. There's some good characters. How they tie everything up and how they kind of explain the whole resurrection okay. kind of aspect of it. I thought was pretty was kind of smart. It's the movie's very kind of meta as far as mm. like how it talks about the Matrix. Okay, and um, so I, you recommend it? I I recommend it. Now, granted, I really like these movies, and 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 one thing that they do in the movie, which is kind of cool, is they flash back a lot to the original three. Oh, fun! So, someone who has seen the original three might remember certain things but if you are just a casual fan this movie would probably be very confusing okay so if you want to watch this movie and you don't know a whole lot about the matrix or it's not something that's super fresh in your mind or you've seen it once or whatever you should definitely watch the first three rewatch all three of them rewatch all three because like one someone i i I had talked to or, or something I had read, I can't remember, um, had said like, oh, you just see the first one. They don't even talk about the, the second and third one. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. They talk about the second and third one a lot. Okay. So, um, like, there's returning characters and stuff that if you did not see those movies, you'd be like, who the fuck are these people? So. Well, it's likely, that I don't think I've seen the second and third one more than once. So, I haven't seen them in 15, almost 20 years. Well, <clears throat> you you'll probably... You still will probably you might still in, enjoy it and be entertained, but if you're trying if you want to know like all the little ins and outs of characters and everything like that, you'll probably be okay. lost. Like you could look at the the at the cast and see like Jada Pinkett Smith is in it. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that was pretty clear like she was going to be in it, right? She's only in the second and third movie. Mm-hmm. She's not even in the original. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, knowing, like, you're like, who the hell is this character? You would know nothing. Okay. So. Okay. But I really, I really enjoyed it. It has kind of a, definitely has that Matrix feel. They do some, they do update things. So, it's like, if you remember in the original Matrix movies, how, like, they get in and out of the Matrix is through, a like, a dial-up telephone. Yeah, they don't have those anymore. Well, yeah, those are nowhere, so they kind of have a very creative way of how they've kind of gotten past that. Do they go into like a USB port or something? No, 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 no. 
it's, it's interesting. I, okay. I thought I I was I was pleasantly surprised, okay. so I okay. recommend it. That's great. So um, it's about time that we talk about the movie for this episode, and I say time because the movie is called Time After Time. And Nancy, this was your suggestion, mm-hmm. so I think um, you know it's time for you to start talking about this movie. Um, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I was wondering what you were doing over there. Um, okay, so <laughs> so this movie, time after time, came out in 1979. It stars. Malcolm McDowell as H.G. Wells, um, Mary Steenburgen as Amy Robbins, and David Warner as Dr. John Leslie Stevenson, also Jack the Ripper. This movie is basically like four genres all in one. It is so great. And before I even explain the movie, I'm just going to say, Matt and I saw this in like the mid to early 80s. Like We were way too young to watch this movie when it came out, but... We were exposed to it really early, so we've always liked this movie, even though we should have been more terrified by it and whatever. But actually, it's still the scariness of it still holds up. So, it is a time travel movie. So it's a sci-fi. It is a love story. It is a a mystery. It is a thriller. Um, there are lots of fish out of water elements. Um, it's it's so great. Um, H.G. Wells was a real person, so you know this. It's even so. It's even like a biopic. <laughs> Some strange, really, not really. Very, but that is a okay. That's a stretch. Oh, it's not a biopic, but it does. And it, it's, it's historical fiction about a real person. Um, two real people. Two three, real people. Three actually, but we'll get into that. Yeah. So H.G. Um, Wells has built the time machine in 1893, London. He's able to um, show some colleagues that it exists and hopefully that it works. And it turns out that um, he's friends with a guy also known as uh, Jack the Ripper, but he doesn't know this about his buddy John, who he plays chess with. And when the cops come by to arrest uh, Jack the Ripper at H.D. Wells' house, um, he decides to use um, the time machine as a skate patch. <laughs> and... Um, Ends up in the nineteen late nineteen seventies. Ended up in nineteen seventy nine, San Francisco, because that's where the H. G. Wells Museum landed. So H. G. Wells had this like very very naive idea that the future was going to be all utopia, which is so you know it's nice. lovely and sweet, but it was so great when he and John run into each other and John sits him in front of the television and flips the channels. And he's like, dude, you think that this is a utopia, but actually I'm the one who's built for this world because this is pure chaos and I belong here. And it's just very, very interesting. And then watching how this man who's 80 years in the future trying to navigate and figure out you know, first, how to get around and how to, you know, be in America, because I'm guessing he probably had never been there, Um, but also um, dealing with, you know, all the the future stuff, um, (laughs) currency and just, like, getting around, but also he knew he needed to find 
the Ripper. And he runs into our other main character, Mary Steenburgen, who ends up being this wonderful foreign bank clerk um, who's able to help him exchange his money and stuff, but also that was the same person that Jack the Ripper had gone to, so she was kind of the connector for all of that, and um, it's it's just so, it's so great, you know. He's back to his old tricks and killing people in San Francisco, and he's very smart. That was another thing I loved about this was just how freaking smart Jack the Ripper is, because we sometimes see movies where criminals aren't always very bright. Yeah, they just like doing what they like to do and yeah. make dumb mistakes, but... He no. was brilliant. So, anyways, I could just babble on and on and on. But, it, again, Matt and I watched this a handful of times when we were kids. I mean, maybe maybe a couple times, maybe three times. I don't it remember was, having it, it on was, it video. Was, we had a dub of it, but we watched it on TV. And I yeah. think because it took place in San Francisco, oh, yeah. and that's where we live, you know, it was kind of on TV like mm-hmm. like local cable like local mm-hmm. channels a lot, and I remember seeing it like at a very young age, like it being on and being like, "What the hell is this?" And like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is San Francisco. I know these places. But I know them now, but back then I didn't." But you know, it just it, there was something familiar about it. I remember watching it, not really understanding what was going on, mm-hmm. but the thing that always this was my introduction to who jack the ripper was same and i remember like always being intrigued by the story of of jack the ripper and even at in like a young teenage i think i read a whole book about about the killings in Whitechapel and mm. all that so i always had this interest in jack the ripper and one thing that nancy is 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 omitting at this point or not remembering is i used to torment her constantly because she was freaked the fuck out about this movie oh she hated jack the ripper and i would walk up behind her and go jack the ripper and she hated it when i did that i was being a little brother and i've blocked this out of my memory yeah i would too because it was scary Mm. jack the ripper yeah i don't remember that but i believe you you should believe me because i'm right (laughs) (laughs) that little music that you are hearing is the music from the pocket watch that jack the ripper had that he would play right before he slit the throats of the women he would kill yes he is cringing like it's cracking me up it's making me laugh (laughs) yeah i i it's it's funny re-watching this movie so you know, you suggested we watch this mm-hmm. after our last episode, and I told my wife, who, um, Sherry, she was doing, she also had a movie project that she was doing that mm. hopefully she'll come on and tell us about, but, so she was, but she was watching a lot of older movies, and I said, we should watch this movie time after time, and we started watching it, and I think within 15 minutes, she was like, this movie's amazing, I yeah. love this movie. And um, when we were done watching it, it was another one of those moments where she's like, we've been together how long? And you haven't shown me this movie? I'm so mad at you right now because this movie was so great. And um, I just, all these things kept coming back. Like the fact that I would torment you with the Jack the Ripper thing. 
the like pocket watch thing I had forgotten about. Yeah. And then when it, then when he like the first time I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, he plays that song. Yeah, it was. I, I was. I am. I was really glad to revisit this movie oh, because me too. Um, it has all those elements that you talked mm-hmm. about. But and but one of the things also I was like very curious about. I mean, clearly, no one can travel through time, and. He H.G. Wells did not build a time machine and travel in time, but we know he wrote a book called The Time Machine, and he, um, you know, he he had all these stories that he had told and written books about that kind of predated, not predated, but like about like socialism and, and utopia and everything. So there. I was always like, as I was watching this, I was like, how are they going to tie this into like who he was as a real person? And it was kind of interesting. You know, they take the, I mean, the odds are he did not know John Leslie Stevenson in real life. I think he's fictional. That was a fictional person. Pro- yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we know Jack it, the Ripper was real, but, but they never, but they never found, they never yeah. found out who he was. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, I wasn't sure if they were picking like a real person named John Leslie Stevenson and just making him Jack the Ripper because we knew that there was some fictional elements to this. I'm pretty sure he's fictional. But um, one thing I didn't realize, like when the movie ends, it mentions something about Amy Robbins, and Amy Robbins is his is H.G. Wells' actual wife mm-hmm. in real life. So it was kind of cool how they've kind of made this fictional story about yeah. how he goes into the future to meet his real life wife. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. So, I mean, historical still, fiction. Yes. So, I'm still learning things about mm-hmm. these, you know, this movie as I go. But, um, no, I, I really enjoyed it. My wife really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to watch. They, you know, whenever you watch time travel movies, you try to see if there's any, like, time travel tropes that they, mm-hmm. you know, that they do by mistake, or whatever. And actually, they did a really good job explaining yeah. time travel things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you probably want to mention another time travel movie where they kind of, that becomes a big part of it, you know, don't yeah. screw up, you know, the t- space-time continuum yeah. and all that. But, um, and I also remember, like, being, like, so enamored by, like, the effects in this movie, which are mm-hmm. not, like, the greatest effects, but, like, the look of them. And um, watching that again was really, like, Whoa, when, <laughs> this when is so I, cool. When I was watching it and every time the time machine was activated, I was like, oh, it looks like there's an Instagram filter being put on. You know, like <laughs> one of those like laser Instagram filters or twinkly light Instagram filters. That's kind of the effect that it has. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, and it was just kind of like, it was kind of cool. You know, the nostalgia aspect of this movie was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. To, to, to rewatch it with the connection that we had. Well, and not just that there's the nostalgia that we'd seen it when we were younger, but that it's a really good movie. Because oh, yeah. there's a lot of movies that I think that don't hold up, but this movie still really holds up. Like, this movie is excellent. It doesn't feel... I mean, there are definitely qualities about it that are dated. Like, there's some language that they use in it that it's like, oh, yeah, well, this is 
from the late seventies, of course. But it's not. I mean, like the and like the whole disco scene. And oh the, sure, yeah. but I mean, no, it totally holds up. It's very interesting, and the suspense is still just as real and intense as it was when we were kids. And no, I I was thrilled. I was really thrilled. I was surprised watching it this round. I had forgotten how aggressive Amy's character was in wanting to get together with. She was a modern woman. She was a modern woman. <laughs> I, I guess I, I don't need. I don't need a husband and be in a house in, in the kitchen all the time. I have a job and mm-hmm. a career. She, you know, just but she says that she says yeah. throughout the thing like I don't usually act like this. I'm, you know, she was just really struck by him, mm-hmm. and um, no, I thought it was great. You know, another thing that this movie did um, with my childhood was I became somewhat obsessed of the archi- about the architecture at the Palace of Fine Arts. Mm. Um, I've been there maybe five or six times in my life, and every time I've gone, I've tried to remember to have a camera with me. Obviously, now it's a lot easier with iPhones, but I remember going at least two or three times with, like, old school, like, film cameras and making sure like oh I've got to take pictures and I even found this one spot that I've tried to like go back to that exact same spot a few times mm-hmm. and like take pictures each time I'm there because obviously the weather is different like one day I took a picture and it was like a really beautiful clear day so it was blue sky another time it was cloudy. gray and cloudy so everything looks different um, but I became very fascinated by just how beautiful the architecture there was and the um, the um, Exploratorium used to be right next door to the Palace of Fine Arts, so you could kind of have two little like mini field trips in one. Mm-hmm. Um, now the Exploratorium's moved, but you know the movie starts like one of the first scenes in San Francisco is at the um, Academy of Sciences, mm-hmm. which is also a really great, great, great place in San Francisco to visit. Um, Matt and I also have stories about that place. I don't know if he... No, he wasn't with me when I was afraid of it for the first time. The tactile dome? Not the tactile... Well, that was... That's the Exploratorium, isn't it? That is the Exploratorium. Tactile dome is like a claustrophobic person's nightmare, but I made it through. Um, No. The way they used to have the California Academy of Sciences laid out was you walk through the big double doors to get in, and they had the alligator pit right there. Mm. And because we had just, like, watched Romancing the Stone, like, I couldn't even get near the edge, like, the ledge, which, again, you're, like, two or three stories up looking down. But I was like, no. But they have since moved the alligators. There's albino alligators now. They're in a completely different part. But they kept some of the original tile from when, like, I was, like, eight years old. So many years ago. But anyways... This movie, again, hits, checks off so many boxes. It's, you know, the romance is very relatable and very, it feels really authentic. And I believe Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen were actually involved. And I think, I think Mom even said that they have a kid together. I don't know if they ever got married, but, you know, so the chemistry between them is mm-hmm. real. Um, and, again, you know, the Jack the Ripper character, who that actor totally reminds me of... Um, I call him Commander Gingy from the new Star Wars movies. Um, Domo Gleason, is that his oh. last name? He reminds me a lot of him. I was yeah. sitting there watching him. Yeah. I'm like, who does he look like? And but without I, the, but you know, not the red hair. 
his hair is kind of like light brownish. Anyways, anyway, that's I guess like, I I I know that faces. I know that actor as the photographer guy from The Omen. Oh, I've never seen The Omen. <sighs> that's gonna happen soon. Mm. And um, Sherry had actually pointed out, like, that's the guy that tries to get the get the diamond and Uh-oh. lock up lock up. Um, Spoilers. No, in Titanic. He's oh, in, yeah, he's, he's in Titanic. He's in Titanic. Too, from what and, I read. And um, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I've seen that movie before, but I don't remember him from that. Yeah. But, um, and he's a, he's a really good actor. He's actually also in another um, uh, British-filled act, actor movie that I really like, uh, Time Bandits. So I saw that, and yes. I know we're going to watch that at some point, too. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... The, I, I love, you know, you and I love watching movies that take place in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So that whole aspect of it and actually seeing, it's funny watching this movie and being like pretty much watching any movie that takes place in San Francisco that was filmed in San Francisco before the Loma Prieta earthquake. Yeah. And seeing like this, the, the freeway yeah. um, up and up along the Embarcadero. It's very strange mm-hmm. um, because we were so young when the when the earthquake happened. We don't remember it as much as we do now um, with the freeway there. So seeing that is kind of bizarre. Well, and we really it, weren't. We didn't visit. We didn't visit. We, San we didn't Francisco Francisco that much. Yeah, we we both started going to San Francisco much when we were more like teenagers, kind of yeah. independent from family stuff. And then, um, and then I love like seeing old skyline and not seeing the giant penis tower that oh, is there salesforce? now yeah yeah no offense to salesforce but your tower is is <sighs> is the restaurant that they go to still up there the transamerica building with the rotating restaurant on the top of the i don't pyramid? know i don't know. i've never been to it i've never been there but so seeing that stuff i mean it's i think we've talked about this before but like when you live somewhere that has so many iconic places that you, you know, sometimes you just don't even make it to all of them, mm-hmm. you know, in a lifetime. I think it was, you know, 10 years ago that I finally went to Alcatraz. <laughs> I was with you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yes, San Francisco, fun to see, especially when it's filmed in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. uh, also the Matrix, the new Matrix, a lot of it is in San Francisco. Great. So did you catch when, um, when Herbert was starting to have some run-ins with the cops, how when he was describing what he knew about the killer, they're like, first, we just had the Zodiac killer, mm-hmm. and now we've got this. Right, right, right. Well, and, and Of course, uh, I thought of you. Well, and, and Sherry actually was like, wouldn't that be great if that character was Dave Toski <laughs> from, mm. from the Zodiac? But, um, no. So, anyway, uh, yeah. This movie's great. I, I, who, who is your favorite character? Um, probably Amy. I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you care about her a lot, and you know they, you know the way that they play with time, like they're able to see things that are going to happen, and then there becomes this like race to try to change events, and it's just, I just felt she's, you know, Mary Steenburgen is just so great. It's hard not to like her, and. Watching this made me want to rewatch another movie that I hadn't seen in a long, long, long time. I think I've maybe only seen it twice before, um, which was Back to the Future 3. 
that movie is on television so much, you've only seen it twice. I don't seek it out. And, you but know... you could just, like, fall into it. But I don't do that the way you do. Oh, my God. We're not built the same way that re- in that regard. Oh, my God. I, um... I decided to watch it today because when I was watching time, you know, time after time a couple weeks ago, I was like, wait a minute. I think that Robert Zemeckis stole a lot of like basics from this movie to make his movie because just the way, and you know, this could just be standard stuff, but the way that the panel looks the same, you know, inside the time machine looks very similar to the... Doc Brown was to make a time machine panel in 1893, yes, that might be how it looks. You know, that stuff looks similar, um, but also just the fact that, um, you know, she has this opportunity to go back in time, and that's where she ends up relocating. So in Back to the Future 3, she is in 1885. Like, she starts out there, and... Mm -hmm. Um, because she, her character exists, like it kind of sets the course for what Emmett Brown is going to do. And, and again, her being in back to the future three kind of finally provided him with a love story. Um, I did not rewatch both back to the future one and two. I just did three today because I've seen one plenty of times. Haven't really seen two more than a couple times, but I didn't think it was that important for this. Well, because I... I've seen Back to the Future so many times. You, you know, you're trying to bring up, you know, things that might be similar that Bob mm-hmm. Gale and Robert Zemeckis might have taken. In time after time, they go. To, he, you know, Wells chases Jack the Ripper to 1979, and the date is actually November 5th, mm-hmm. 1979. Yes. In Back to the Future, the original, he goes back to November 5th. Yep. 1955. Yep. So that's definitely lifted. Yeah. Isn't in my opinion. And I thought, and it's also kind of interesting. Like, I wonder, I wonder if they were like, "Oh, we're going to make this movie, and wouldn't it be great if, if Doc Brown loves H.G. Wells's like writings?" Oh, wait, that would be too similar. We'll make it Jules Verne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, overall, and, you know, I think at some point we're probably going to have, like, a bigger episode about the whole Back to the Future property. Um, There's no maybe in that. That will happen. Yeah, it will happen. Um, Overall, though, I'll say uh, Time After Time is a far superior movie to Back to the Future 3. I think I was a little exhausted by it watching it today. It was like, her character isn't, I mean, her character is important in that movie, but it's certainly not given the same kind of um, teasing out and attention the way that Amy Robbins is oh, in Time no, After Time. Because no. well, she's I mean, such a pivotal, important person in this movie set in San Francisco. Absolutely. I mean, it's you. There's really you really can't compare them any any further than the fact that they're time travel movies. Well, but I think also I think when they were they also, ca- when they were casting for it, I'm sure they had in mind like wouldn't that be really cool to have Mary Steenburgen? Probably. I mean, she's a good actor and you know. But I mean, again, I I I'm going to believe that it was because they thought she was so successful as a time traveling lady in time after time 10 years earlier. Okay. <laughs> what she's you... it's con- she it's convincing for her to be attracted to scientists <laughs> i don't know podcat 
Okay. What was your favorite scene in this movie? In Time After Time? Yes. Ooh. Um, oh, it's it's probably, you know, in the last act when you don't know, like, is she alive? Like, there's, you know, he's come to the apartment. The door didn't slam all the way, so he was able to get in. And just all the kind of intensity of that last... Fifteen minutes when he's when when it's so suspenseful. Is, is, is in j- is in jail being being mm-hmm. interrogated and he just starts admitting that he killed everybody just yeah. to get just, just to get the cops out. there. Yep. Yeah, yeah I mean, because because you know they don't want to believe him because you know he calls himself Sherlock Holmes and <laughs> and he you know I I just I think that 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 had to be one of the most suspenseful things we had ever seen at that point in our lives when we had watched this movie. Well, probably, I mean. Definitely more suspenseful than like a tray trying to salt fix the oracle or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, story. That was your movie. I know. <laughs> Don't need to watch it again. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great scene. What's your I, scene. I actually, um, I really like that whole that whole scene there at the end. Um, you know, it's kind of cool watching them kind of try and track down um try and track him down in that third act where they're like they they he tries to convince her that he it's a time machine she sees the newspaper and sees the date and then all of a sudden she sees an article about how she died which really doesn't make sense so you're kind of at that point you're kind of confused but then he they then it all plays out that it wasn't her that was actually killed, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, so I think, I think that, that whole, like them being detectives, trying trying to solve it. And, and, you know, he goes, you know, I think that they, one thing they do really well to kind of show the difference between the two characters is how like Herbert is like, he wears the same clothes. He, He's not trying to adapt to living Mm-mm. there because he knows that's not where he belongs. No. Whereas John is like going out buying new clothes, trying to fit in, he goes to the disco. He still doesn't know certain things. Like there one of the women he kills they're at like her apartment and she's like, Do you want some grass? And he's like, What the hell is that? You know, marijuana. And he's like, No thanks. I mean, show little things like that show how he is out of time. But mm-hmm. at the but he's wearing like a turtleneck with like a vest and totally looks like he fits in 1979. Well, and he knows how to make more of an effort. He knows how to be elusive. He knows how to do that because that's what he was doing in London right. by trying to conceal his identity. With the exception of the fact that every time before he kills somebody, he decides to play like a little bit of music. Well, you know. <laughs> so the actress who he kills in the apartment, I was like. I recognize that lady. I know I've seen her recently, and she is in like seasons three and four of The Sopranos, which oh. I've just rewatched. She has like dark hair, and mm. she plays like an Italian mob boss lady. But I was like, <laughs> I know her, and it's like, oh my god, that was filmed twenty five years before, and she really didn't look that different. Just oh, wow. a different hairstyle. Wow. So yeah, kind of wild. So so yeah, that whole kind of pursuit. 
mm-hmm. in, in like the second half and then the third act was 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 a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I'm not. I kind of get kind of cringe. It's kind of cringe worthy to me to watch like the whole fish out of water kind of thing. It, I mean, yeah. It gets. It's like I feel awkward for them. <laughs> but it doesn't but, last um, that long, though. It, but and and that I think that's the other thing that makes this movie successful is because both of the main characters, um, the two men, male main characters, are very smart. Mm-hmm. That they don't get like trapped into time, like those time travel tropes, like in those mm-hmm. fish out of water kind of things, like the whole po- like. When Herbert is watching her drive, mm-hmm. he's not just sitting in the car amazed by what a car is. He's sitting there watching her, figuring out how to drive. And that plays into the story later. So, I mean, a lot of the writing in this is really good. I mean, it seems predictable, and it's like, oh, they're foreshadowing that he's going to have to drive a car later by showing him, learn, like, watching her, but who cares? Yeah. I mean, I'm not even thinking about that when I'm watching it. I'm just well, kind of... And, and, and does... Is it... I don't know. I think sometimes, sometimes doing that, I mean, it's a, it's a storytelling tool for a reason, you know? (laughs) So, so, I mean, stuff like that was kind of, because they were smarter, it was fun to watch that. So you didn't have some like scene of him like stumbling about like, how do I turn the car on? Oh, which pedal is it? Oh, I just crashed into 10 people. (laughs) Well, I think, I think that's why, you know, like you were saying, you know, John, is a doctor. He's a surgeon. Mm-hmm. And H.G. Wells is a scientist. Um, Doc Brown in Back to the Future is also a scientist. And another time traveler that I've been watching the last couple years is um, Outlander. And she's also a nurse and eventually a doctor. So it's like these people that are doing the time traveling, if they're already in the science world, it's like they know how to have like an open mind and a curiosity and they know how to solve problems Mm -hmm. and they're, they're inquisitive and they don't seem just like someone who was plucked out of nowhere and dropped somewhere and has no kind of tools. It's like, it it makes sense that the characters that are used in these time traveling movies are already understood to be very smart. Well, it kind of is a requirement. I I agree. I mean, you kind of, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go and travel through time, you might want to. You have to kind of think about where you're gonna go and be prepared for that, and not just be. I mean, hopefully, granted, be like a Boy Scout or something. And too. granted, Herbert was, you know, a little naive about what he thought the future might be like. But when he got there, he wasn't like, "Holy shit! Why isn't it like the, the way I thought it would be?" He's not naive. He was just an incredible optimist. He True. had yes, he yes. had an naive incredible right optimism yeah. about what human nature was going to be and when when he learned about not just one but two world wars yes he couldn't believe that war he just couldn't believe it yeah and then when and then when uh she mentions the vietnam he's like would that be the third world war yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's very interesting but I'm so glad that we got to rewatch this. It, and a reason why I don't think we've rewatched it much is because I don't think it's really been available on streaming. It kind of popped up for a little bit when we took advantage of it before it disappeared again. <laughs> and you know, I think it's just um, I don't. I didn't look at how successful it was or like, but it's probably not. 
like when you think of Malcolm McDowell, like when we think of Malcolm McDowell, we think of this movie because we watched it as kids, but everyone else thinks of like Clockwork Orange. Yeah. You know? Um, Which came out before this. Yes. And um, so it's not, I don't think it's like widely popular. So, mm, should be. but you know, I highly recommend, you know, people check it out. And, you know, if you like, especially if you like movies set in San Francisco, if you like time travel movies, if you like romances, if mm. you like sci-fi, if you like any, or if you like watching serial killers, check out this movie. It's, it's, it's got it's a little a of everything. It's so good. Well, Nancy, thank you for picking it. You're welcome. I want to thank everyone for listening to uh, our show. Um, please follow us. Let us know if uh, you checked out this movie and what you thought of it. And uh, we'll be back for another episode, hopefully very soon. We've got some, we've got some, a lot of movies still to watch. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So, my name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. Thank you very much. Thank you.